Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. Hey pals, thanks for coming back for another episode of the Water Women Podcast. Today we're joined by Marie, who has been called a creative genius, an ocean enthusiast, a plasticator, and a water protector. And Marie was actually introduced to me by someone very important in my life, so I want to send a huge thank you out to Lori Quick for introducing Marie and I so that I could have her on the podcast. And in today's episode, Marie and I dive into keeping the theme with last week about how you can connect art in the ocean, but... Specifically on today's episode, we talk about water accessibility and how Marie faced challenges with that and it inspired her to celebrate World Water Day and use it to bring awareness to people who are facing water accessibility issues and how she's done that and how it's progressed this far and over the past 10 years, the different ways that art has been used to get the point across and and most recently how they created an app that could help educate people on water issues worldwide using virtual reality. On your phone, you can see a globe in your living room. What? Isn't that so cool? Before I give too much away, let's dive into this episode with Marie so she can tell you all about it. Welcome to the Water Room Podcast. I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself and who are you and what do you do? Okay. My name is Marie Malte. I am the director of the UMB Arts Centre, and I have been there for about 30 years, which is a very long time. <laughs> that is, wow. Now, for our listeners, they hear Art Centre, and they're thinking, Waterwim Podcast Art Centre, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So what is your kind of connection? What makes you a waterwoman? When did you fall in love with the ocean kind of thing? Well, I, I don't know that I fell in love with the ocean so much as uh, I began to understand the importance of water. I like uh, that. Like air, water is one of those essential things. And it's a long story, and I'll give it to you in a short form. But <laughs> uh, when I moved to New Brunswick, um, uh, my husband and I bought a house on uh, an area uh, just outside of Fredericton called McLeod Hill. And it's actually an extinct volcano. which we did not know at the time. Cool. Um, So the geology is a little bit uh, confused there. So, um, and of course, over time, the subdivision had been overbuilt. And so everybody had been putting uh, wells in and depleting the water source that was there. So it doesn't function the same way where it rains and water, you know, fills up a water table. There's just pockets of water. In fact, some people actually... Uh, sunk wells into seawater which is interesting or salt water cool yeah so um over time and i had two small children at the time um we ended up having no water at all like none and we had our pump pulled and we you know the i I can't even tell you how many feet it was but i mean it was long how deep how deep that was in the in the water in the ground so um i had to find other ways to provide water So uh, we had a tank installed and I had another tank that sat outside of the roof. So I collected water from the roof. In the winter, I would boil snow to wash my dishes. Um, I would bring water, you know, in those big jugs from the art center home uh, every other day or whatever. Um, And so it really made me aware of developing countries where people don't have access to water 
it made me aware of our 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 forebears who came to this country um not knowing the geology and the geography and um having to go and collect water from from rivers and streams and that kind of thing so i it really sensitized me to the critical nature of water in our lives because we turn the tap on we flush the toilet we don't even think about it yeah well that's what really got me started uh, on this and i have since moved and they have now got water in that subdivision so they're all good but it was a struggle it was a struggle for about five years um until until you know i, I moved out of that house that was um, so interesting. And, and uh, all that so you know there was a lot of other things keeping me there so um since then i've kind of become a crusader <laughs> Uh, uh, with water and water conservation, uh, water, um, you know, awareness, and that's sparked other things. So for the last 10 years, I have been working on projects at the UNB Art Centre, bringing art into the equation to, to use as an educational tool. So I went to a, um, I work at UNB, and I have the, the luxury of going to um, lectures that are offered. So I went to a lecture, I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody from the IPCC. And they were talking about the fact that scientists have all this information, um, but it's very difficult to get that information out to the public. Um, you know, you've got news media stories. They tell a certain uh, aspect of the truth, um, but they don't necessarily reach people on that deeper level. So what I've tried to do with my World Water Day exhibitions each year is to 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 carve off a little piece um, and explore that a little bit using art as a, as a medium and a way to bring people together. Um, you're not pushing them away. You know, you're not saying, "Oh, you know, bad person, you're doing this." Um, I'm trying to bring them in and and educate at the same time. So we've done Absolutely. a number of different exhibitions that are about that. I love that. That's your angle, not like you need to change this. It's more so like, hey here's something that's going on because I feel like you mentioned this before, like we are very desensitized to how inaccessible water is in some places. Like for us, we just turn on our tap. It's there. We just turn on the shower. Like literally today I turned on my shower for a few seconds before I got into it. Not even thinking, I was like, Oh, that water is a little cold. Like I'm going to let it warm up. And it, like, it's not something you think of. Like we're so blessed and lucky to be in yeah. a situation that we don't have to think about it, but it definitely is something that we, should and I love that you're doing that in a kind way of rather than like berating someone and using something like being like hey look at what's going on like how mm -hmm. how do you think you're involved in this and like kind of putting that question on them in a nice way so it's almost like their idea to change kind mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I don't think anybody you know anybody who who has ever been a teenager never appreciated being told what to do no. <laughs> so I think, you know um if you can come to it through your own understanding and your own um avenue of appreciation then i think that's a much more powerful position so you've said that you've done something on world water day for the past couple of years so 10 years yeah. 10 years wow that's yeah. amazing that must have been yeah. some pretty cool projects over the years there's been, there there have been a great variety of them actually um the first one I undertook was um, um, called Liquid Measure. And so what I've been trying to do with these exhibitions is to show quantity, because I think it's difficult when we say, 
you know, 4,000 or 5,000 or 5 million, it's really hard to quantify. Yeah. So what I, uh, one of the things that I'm very concerned about is the use of plastic and mm-hmm. how plastic ends up in the ocean and in our waterways. Um, so I looked at um, single-use plastic water bottles and looked at the kind of quantities that we were consuming and still consume uh, globally, but, but in our, our neck of the woods. So I found out how many water bottles it took to create a bale of recycled plastic, um, and there's 4,600 in each bale. So I went to our recycling um, depot here, and I asked them for... <laughs> water bottles and we made a maze, uh, 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 strung the maze in the gallery so that you could walk through um, 4,600 water bottles. So you can actually feel how many that actually is. There's a lot. That's a lot. So that was the first one. Um, Another campaign we did was One Drop at a Time where we looked at, um, oh, things like, you know, how long, you know, how much water does a shower use? You know, how can you conserve that kind of water? You know, how many times, uh, you know, how much water is used when you flush a toilet? Um, how much water when you brush your teeth and you're just letting the water run? So we were providing um, ways people could mitigate that. So that was a campaign we, we did around the campus. We put up little, um, you know, small little placards in the toilets and around water fountains and places where people gathered just to little, little, a little tidbit of education, you know? Um, so instead of running water for a cold glass of water, keep a you know, a jug in your, in your fridge that's cold. So you're not wasting water all the time. Or if you, if you are running water, collect that water, use it on your plants, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, in 2015, we did a really interesting one, um, called heavy metal and it was looking at, um, electronic recycling. And at that time there was not very much, uh, going on in terms of, uh, e-recycling and looking at the, what happens when these electronics sit in a a landfill and they leach into the soil and contaminate the area around them. This of course runs off into the water and is carried downstream to the lakes and the rivers and the ocean eventually. So um, we collected four tons of e-waste in the gallery that people provided us with. So we did a call to the community to um, bring in us their 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 old electronics that were just sitting in the basement or, 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 you know, that they were going to throw in the garbage. I don't know how many TVs I've seen out on the street, you know, at, at a certain point when there was that changeover, yeah. um, people just put them on the street um, and the garbage man would collect them and they would go into the landfill. So what we were trying to do is create more awareness about um, these electronics and the kinds of materials that go into making these electronics um, in some countries you know, the people are mining for these uh, rare earth metals um, in very, very terrible conditions. Um, and there's others who um, live in other developing countries that are pulling the parts out of these, you know, and there's children in landfills with no shoes and no protection at all, um, scavenging this material to, to resell, to make, make a, a, a decent living. Um, here in North America, we just buy, 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 throw it out, buy something else. And it was a a way to bring awareness of the fact that we need to be more conscientious about recycling, particularly these kinds of materials. Yeah. So that was a very interesting one as well. That is Um, very interesting. In 2019, we did one called Cascade. um, And it was looking at plastic again in, in the waterways. And so basically um, myself, along with our, our art group, art zone, um, 
built this waterfall out of plastic and the students created all these sea creatures that we, you know, put in the gallery. Um, so again, it was a way not only to bring awareness to the public coming in, but the students that I was working with, people who were, were interested to, to work on these environmental issues. So a lot of these exhibitions include students in the making of them um, as a way to not only educate them, but as a way for them to educate others. Absolutely. I love that. I love how these exhibits are kind of like showing people like everything you do kind of has an impact because I feel like, especially with the e-waste, it's something that like we upgrade our phones so often and we just kind of like toss it to the side. Like I think I have a couple of my old phones in a drawer beside me, like just waiting to take them somewhere. But it used to be that you would just be like, oh, old, who cares? Garbage. Mm -hmm not realizing the huge effect that that's going to have like down the road and mm -hmm. that there is a special way that you should get rid of them and whatnot. Like, I feel like it's really cool to be introducing that to people in such a cool way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we're a little bit more aware now. We have more of these processes in place than we did yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Even. Definitely. Um, so that's, that's gratifying to see. And people are becoming more aware that yes, we, you know, take these things to the recycling, you know, our batteries and stuff. We don't just throw them in the garbage anymore. We, you know, we collect them and we, we bring them to the depot. Yeah, yeah, I think it's amazing. And using art or these shows to show people that, I think is such a cool way to get people to think about it. Like, because you go, you know that art evokes emotion. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I need to change kind of mm -hmm. thing. So I think it's super cool that over the past 10 years, you have been doing so much of that. And I would love to, I wish there was a way you could get like a physical count of everyone that has like seen all these different displays and been like, oh, huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd actually love to talk a lot about your most recent uh, Water Day okay. celebration. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, this one is called um, H2O, An Ocean of Science. And I guess what sparked that, I, I, these things, you know, they're, they, they're in your mind for a while. Um, for me, one of the, the most critical things that happened in the, in the recent past um, was the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. That affected me emotionally in a tremendous way. It, every day I'd wake up and I'd hear the news that this, you know, I think over the course of, I think 87 days, there's like 5 million, 5 million barrels of crude oil being spewed into the ocean. Yeah. Um, every day I turn, I wake up and I hear the news that, you know, this, this was still going on and still going on. And it went on for so long. I, it was, it was positively nauseating. I was sick to my stomach hearing about it. Um, so that kind of was in the back of my mind. Um, last summer, um, there was a big, um, sort of news event about the mill and ice shelf that broke off. Uh, and they were calling it the last ice shelf in Canada. It's not actually accurate, but you know, it got the point across. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, got me thinking again, I really need to start addressing some of these events that are happening. And with news, it, it goes in one ear and out the other, you know, then tomorrow there's something else that takes your, your mind off of what just happened. So you forget about these things. They just kind of go into the background and we never remember them again. Absolutely. You know, so I thought I'd like to bring these things together and into a location where we can access them. 
So um, one of the things uh, that's important about all of these exhibitions is there, there's an element of interactivity with the audience. So with this, um, I got in touch uh, with Spandrel Interactive and talked to them about how, because I had this idea of having a big globe with markers on it um, to indicate all these places. And then when COVID hit, we couldn't do that in the gallery. Um, and I thought, well, how can we, how can we make this accessible when we don't have a gallery space to do it? And then I thought, why not a phone app? Why not something like that? So I got in touch with Spandrel and, and you know, we, we talked about what I was looking for and I kind of sketched out the idea, the vision that I had, and they went away and actually developed it. And they did a spectacular job of, of realizing the vision that um, I had. So um, part of it, again, it's the interactivity. So when you turn on the app, you have a choice. You can select just basically um, the image on your phone, or you can select the augmented reality, which I'm a big fan of. Augmented and virtual reality, I think, is a really fascinating uh, visual kind of new field. Um, but you can turn on the augmented reality and, and have the globe actually pop up in your space. So it's there with you. You know, it's not outside in the world somewhere else. It's right here. It's in your room, you know. So you can spin the globe and, and click on the, the different markers and, and learn about all the different things. So that's, you know, and there's, you know, there's noises and there's little things that happen that, that make it fun and interactive. But the other thing is there's a, a button at the very bottom of the, the main, the front page, um, where you can actually submit your own. So what my hope is, is that as this, um, over time, uh, this app kind of gets downloaded and used that people in other parts of the world, other parts of the country who are experiencing water issues will actually be able to upload their concerns, their observations uh, to this app. Wow. That's amazing. I can't wait to see that grow. Cause I like, I love this and I have showed this app to so many of my friends been like, look how cool this is. Like we're looking at the world in my living room and yeah. it's just so cool to be able to see that and to like zoom in and like just seeing it just in your own space is just like it really makes it hit hard because you're like oh mm -hmm. this is not just something I can push out of my mind I feel like that guilt scroll is something we're all guilty of is like when you're scrolling through Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or something and you see something that's like hey like this is something bad that's going on you're like oh that sucks it's really overwhelming and you're just like oh, I just need to get rid of it and you scroll and the next thing is like a cute picture or a dancing cat or something funny and you're just completely can forget about it mm -hmm. so I like how accessible this app is that it's on your phone and like doesn't force you to take a hard look at things but like it's giving you the option like hey think about this don't let this mm -hmm. just sit in the back of your mind and like actually look about that look at this and think about this mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we're on the Bay of Fundy. So I think, you know, we have a really unique ecosystem that we need to be looking at. Um, there's problems with the North Atlantic right whale right now in terms of entanglement in fishing line, in terms of changing location because they're following their food source because yeah. the waters are warming. Um, you know, um, they're looking at building two new reactors at Point La Pro. Um, there's plastic, um, Chris Beardy from UNB a couple of years ago did a study where she looked at mollusks and other, you know, small crustaceans and all of them contain plastic. Yeah. So it's not out there. It's right here in our own backyard. And I think that's critical. It is at home kind of thing. It's not something that you can 
push out of your mind and forget about long term like in the moment when you do that scroll away sure you're gonna be happy for a second but long term it's definitely something that we need to be thinking about it's gonna affect us more than we realize it's something that like we're all part of yeah and I think you know doing the research for for the initial um, uh, markers that are on this globe um, I learned a lot, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, global warming and what that two degrees actually means. So yeah. you know, it's very vague, you know, it's very, oh, it's bad, you know, it's going to cause this and that, but it's vague, it I is. think is the critical thing here. For me, when you actually start to look at it and you look at, for example, what's happening with the coral at the Great Barrier Reef, I mean, it's a structure that's, you know, thousands of years old, it's huge. And it is actually crumbling because of, um, number one, um, the, the warming of the oceans has caused the coral to, to number one, bleach. So um, coral exists in a symbiotic relationship with um, an algae. So generally it's covered with this algae, but when the water's warm, the algae leave. And then the coral is left without uh, a food source, without um, protection. Um, and then when, because of uh, the absorption of carbon dioxide into the water, the uh, acidification increases, um, then that coral actually becomes um, absorbed, you know, and, and little creatures, mollusks, crustaceans, all the little tiny things that are on the bottom um, that we don't think about, you know, we think about the birds, we think about the whales, we think about the seals, but... For me, I think what I really learned was it's those little tiny creatures, some of the creatures we can't even see, um, that are the most critical species because everything feeds on them. So, you know, they're part of that, that food web that we are sort of at the top of. But if this crumbles at the bottom, then the whole structure comes down. Yeah. So when you're looking at, you know, things like coral and things like um, oysters or clams or little things like that, um, it's, it's very important to understand what actually happens when the water um, warms and, and becomes more acidic. Absolutely. That two degrees, like you said, it sounds so insignificant. Like you go outside one day and it's 10 degrees. You're like, okay, you go outside the next day, it's 12 degrees. I'm talking in Celsius for those listening that use Fahrenheit. It's okay here. This is warm, but you go outside and it's 12 degrees and you're like, okay, not much of a difference. Like it's fine. But over a long period of time, like, that's going to make a big difference. That's mm -hmm. a huge difference. And that cascade that you were talking about, like, those little creatures that we don't even, like, the thousands that we don't even know about yet, you don't know what significant of a role they play in our everyday lives and our everyday health. So, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't want to find out what happens when they're gone. Like, I want, yeah. I want them to be okay. So, yeah, it's kind yeah. of, it's, yeah, big, big changes. They say by 2050 that most of the coral will be gone. Terrifying. Well, that's terrifying. I mean, that's that's not that, you know, <laughs> we're, on, we're well on the road for that to be happening right now. And I think, you know, I think what saddens me, I was, I was listening to David Suzuki on CBC yesterday. And, um, you know, he started in 1962, he said, when before, you know, ecology was really, this was starting kind of an idea. But if we had stopped or if we started to think about this in a, a long haul kind of uh, perspective, we would not be here yeah. because within the last 50 years, this is when it's all 
been, I mean, it's been happening since the industrial revolution, but it has really Picked cranked up. up. Yeah. Yeah. In the last 50 years. And, and now we're at a point where you can't, some of the stuff we can't stop, even if we reduce it, even if we reduce emissions, even if we reduce the, the global temperature increase, things are, you know, you cannot refreeze a, 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 a glacier. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's gone. Um, so that's the other thing too. We've got the polar ice caps uh, melting, um, causing, you know, sea level rise in the case of uh, the Antarctic um, and then the flooding and all the stuff that's going to happen. So what are our plans for, for um, migration that's going to happen when people are flooded out of their, their lands and they're moving, you know, yeah. or if there's drought, you know, what are our, what are, our, how, how do we, how do we fix this? Absolutely. I actually had someone on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about this and they mentioned, they're like, this is all us worrying about it. Like mother earth is going to be fine. The earth eventually will be fine. So like, I know a lot of the, like, you should care. It's like, care about the earth. And it's like, okay, yeah, the earth will be fine eventually, whatever. And it's like, okay, but like, would you like to still be here? Would you like your kids to still be here? Like, it is always about the earth, obviously, but it's also like, this is leading up to something bad for us kind of thing. Like, this is going to cause a lot of problems for us. So like, maybe you should care about humans for a second. Yeah. And it's, I think it's short-term thinking. You know, when you talk to an Indigenous person, they're looking at, you know, five generations from now, thinking in that kind of uh, an arc. Absolutely. We have not been thinking that way at all. No. You know, um, I was looking at um, in Alberta the tar sand developments, and I mean, you can see them from satellite. That's how big they are. Yeah. And so much investment in this infrastructure, um, and the money that has been made over that. I can, you know, I understand why that they're reluctant to change how we do things because so many people so much industry so much money is tied up in this this kind of thing but at some point we have to because we're not going to have anything left it is i feel like there's that big divide between like the economy versus like well-being the health of the earth the health of the people kind of thing and it's like okay but you can't have an economy if there's no people so come on yeah yeah and i think there's a lot of rhetoric by politicians and you know people uh engaged in in big corporate business um, you know, scare tactics are used and, um, other, other means for, for making us, um, I don't know how to describe it, making us, uh, negligent about the environment as opposed to the economy and yeah. they're tied together. You oh, know? absolutely. And I, I think that's something we, we really need to start to understand. I think we really need to start to, um, to figure out the right way forward absolutely. for the future. No, they definitely are interconnected by so many different threads. And like you pick at one thread, it's going to lead you, lead you to seven different others. Like if it's, I see a lot of people that are like, no fast fashion, like only buy thrifted clothes. And it's like, okay, so you're buying thrifted clothes when you can afford new clothes. What about those people? So you're buying at the thrift stores. The thrift stores are like not a lot getting coming in right now. So those people that use thrift stores for every source of their clothes, like they're not like, it's leading down like the income, the differences in the income, like it really, everything is tied together and it's going to lead to, uh-huh. you can't pick away one string without thousands coming with it. And it's, it's hard and it can be overwhelming for sure. Like even just talking about it now, I can feel my like heartbeat kind of pick up a little bit and yep. you get that like existential dread kind of thing where you're like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't even be here. Like I'm just making the earth worse. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. I, and I know, I, I think, you know, I think we kind of need to feel that, but on the other hand, we need to be more proactive. I think we, we can't just sit there and go, oh, this is terrible. Um, there are people, you know, in positions who can, can, can help and who have, you know, who, who can make laws and who can put policies forward and who can, you know, it's very, um, you know, uh, COP26 in Glasgow in November, you know, the fact that the states are back online with that is a really yeah. positive um, step forward. So I think I'm hoping as we become, and I think, you know, I, I see a lot of it um, working at a university. I see the young people, the students at the university are very, very concerned, very, very engaged in the idea of environmental uh, protection and conservation. Yeah. So I have hope, I have faith that um, as we move forward, we have some great minds and great energy that will come uh, forward and, and help to solve some of these problems because they're not simple problems. These are huge, complex problems. Yeah. You know, when you look at, you know, the cost benefit uh, ratio of, let's say, um, an existing power source uh, that creates CO2 or let's say um, an array of solar um, um, panels in a desert, well, that's, you know, still has to be manufactured. It's still made out of materials that require, you know, us to tap into the oil and gas industry. It's still being transported. You know, there's still so much, um, it's a very involved equation. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, I'm certainly not up to that task, <laughs> uh, but there certainly are people who do understand the, the um, and, and can analyze the cost benefit analysis of, of these different kinds of technologies and how they play out in a long term. Absolutely. It's really exciting to see the like the younger generation coming up and like learning from the previous generation of like, okay, here's what we like, this is as far as we got, here you go. And it's really, really exciting to see people who are, for lack of a better term, like excited about taking on these challenges and like are ready and like have all these ideas already. And I'm really I'm excited to see like what they come up with. Like I'm excited for them. I technically am part of them, but you know, I'll, I'll leave that to the, the math ones to analyze things and I'll do my environmental thing. Yeah. And I think when uh, Greta Thunberg, you know, made her big uh, presentation there to the world, people listened. Oh, absolutely. So she was so heartfelt and, and um, so damning in her, 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 her context that I think, it really made people sit up. And I, I think that's a very important thing to hear a young voice um, who's looking towards the future and who's saying, we cannot do this anymore. We have to find a different way to, to exist. It is. And it was really cool. I know she was doing her like strikes for climate on Fridays. Like she would skip school mm -hmm. to go strike at government buildings. And it's cool to see what's picked up from that. Like I know parents personally that have taken their kid to sit outside and being like, no, we're striking for for climate, and like to see that happening worldwide is so cool. Back to your app a little bit, we kind of went on that little tangent right there. So when people use their app, I actually have it open in front of me on the phone right now. So okay. like, I have this globe way above me, and I can. So what are we looking at when I'm looking at your globe? Um, well, you're looking at the world, um, and so each marker is actually located uh, latitude, longitude, uh, exactly where it should be. Uh, if I was to say, for example, we're examining, um, 
oh, where's a good place? Um, the Baltic Sea, for example. So it, mar it marks, uh, it's pinned on the Baltic Sea. And when you open the app um, or you, you click on the, the little marker at the Baltic Sea, you uh, get a photograph of what it looks like. You get a little bit of text, not too much, that, that describes what's going on there and what the problems are. And then you get a link so that if you want to explore further, there's an art an ar another article that you can go to. If you want more than that, you can go to our website where this, this is um, the full list of all the resources are, are available um, that were used in the project. So, so um, cool. it's an opportunity to explore, you know, to keep that exploration going. That is so cool. So like I just spun it and had a random one and actually ended up in the Gulf of St. Lawrence, which is really funny because that's pretty close to us. And it's yeah. so cool to see like the, okay, solutions. We're monitoring North Atlantic whales. Like here's the, here's what's going on. And it's, oh, cool. That's actually my prof, Kimberly Davies. That's so funny. I love that. Um, it's so cool to be able to be like, okay, here's what's wrong, but here's also what's being done uh -huh. to solve that. Yeah. And does yeah. add in a little bit of that hope that we were talking about. That's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm feeling pretty dreadful about this, but like, it's important, I think, to let people know that, hey, every little action that you're taking or every little action that you're taking does actually add up. And like that dread that you feel, it's okay to feel that, but just know that like you're doing what, you're can, what you can and that's what's important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. That. sure. Now for people worldwide, like is this app available everywhere? So, like can anybody download yeah, this? Yeah, it's on Google Play. So you can just download it. It's free. So you just type in H2O and Ocean of Science, or if you're sort of, you know, if that's something that's of interest, you know, you, you'll find it there. Um, it's also uh, on, uh, for, for Mac users, um, it's also on the Play Store there. So you can, yeah, it's it's yeah. widely available. Yeah, Absolutely. That is so cool. And I highly recommend everyone going to check it out. I have killed so much time on this. Like, I know when I'm in like waiting rooms or something, I'm like, I feel guilty playing on my phone. Like, um, scrolled through everything like there's nothing more on social media and I have killed so many hours just looking on this and like reading up and like it's so cool to be able to like spin the globe and like move around and like zoom in on like an actual place like mm -hmm. seeing like places I visited or places that my friends live like it's so cool to see that in like on my phone right in front of me in whatever area I'm in it's so cool well, our phones are, are, you know, they're an extension. They're, you know, an extension of us these days. Yeah. It's not, you know, I've never, I don't see anybody who doesn't have their phone like right gripping in their hand or in their back pocket, you know, they put them on the table when they sit down, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, this is a way, it's an ubiquitous source. It's a way um, I think that um, we can connect with everybody. Absolutely. And actually I had a question earlier. You mentioned that you had had like 10 years of previous world water days like things that you've done is there anywhere that people can see the previous works or like learn yeah. about what you've done yes actually because it was our anniversary um this year we created uh, on our website at the unb art center website there's a, a, a little category that says world water day and it, it lists all the projects and it has a little a photograph of each of each year's project cool. so that people can have a see see the kinds of things that we've done that is so cool I was actually scrolling through that uh, before we were meeting because I was like you know doing my research and like wanted to look through it and it was so cool to see some of them like they were just like even just photos are mind-blowing mm -hmm. sometimes so definitely that will be linked in the description of this podcast and on all of our social medias 
And if you're interested in seeing what the app is like, I will be doing a little show with it on our Instagram stories. Probably the day after this is posted, you'll see that on our stories. And I will link all the downloads in our bio as well. So you guys will have no problem finding this app to check it out. Well, I certainly hope people, you know, um, submit uh, information um, about maybe the places that they're living in and the water problems that they're experiencing. This is by no means comprehensive. So we're actually going to be adding to it. Um, I have a student who's going to be working with me this summer and um, they're going to be adding, I have, there's so many different things to, to add on to this, but um, they're going to be adding a, um, a whole other uh, bunch of uh, markers to, to the globe. So um, this, this is a project that's in progress. Um, so it's not, it's not a fixed thing. So I invite people to keep checking back because um, over time there will be new, new um, spots. Absolutely. So if someone was listening and like had the app and they wanted to upload like, Hey, here's what's going on where I am. How do they submit that? Um, So on the very first, when you first open the app, it takes you to a page where you see, um, you have a selection of uh, sort of standard globe or augmented reality globe. There's a little button at the very bottom that says submit. So when you click the submit button, um, it gives you um, basically a form and you fill out the form, um, you know, with the longitude, the latitude, you know, what, what the water issue is. You can write a little paragraph, you can link uh, a, a news story to it. Um, and then you submit that to me and then I will make sure that that gets put up onto the, onto the globe. That is so cool that anyone can submit like, Hey, yeah. here's what's going on here. That is absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to see how this grows and how people add to it once they hear about it. And, oh, I'm so excited for it. So tell your friends to, to participate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> make sure at least one person, you know, downloads this. If you're listening right now, go download it. You can have the podcast playing in the background. I won't be offended. It's fine. Just go download it and check it out because it is so cool. People wanted to check out that site that we had been talking about earlier and check more out from UNB Art Center. Where can they find you guys online? Um, you can just Google us at the UNB Art Center. Um, and you'll be taken to our uh, main page and on the side, there's a list of different projects that, that we are involved in and you'll find our world water day projects there. And actually even in, in there, um, for this year, there's a link to, to, um, the app stores for, for Google play and for Mac. There you go, guys. Super easy to go check out. And I highly recommend following them along, following along with them because they are absolutely so cool. And I cannot wait to hear the feedback from the app from everyone listening today because everyone listening is going to go download it. I know them. I know they're going to. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. I love sharing these stories with you and I love that you love to listen. Make sure if you like the podcast, you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.